We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Emergency podcast. Wow. I cannot believe that we're recording this. Adrian Wojnarowski dropped a massive Woj nuke on the Phoenix Suns. Sam, can you believe this? I, it's like every other Ryan McDonough move ever. (laughs) Out of nowhere. And I am so excited to talk about it uh, right now. I think this is a fascinating move. Um, not necessarily going to say whether I think it's good or bad yet, but I just think you can analyze it from so many different perspectives, and uh, and I'm really going to have a lot of fun talking about it right now. I know everyone listening to this understands the parameters of this trade, but it is Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight for Ryan Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. And as the official Marquise Chris podcast, I have to say I'm kind of bummed because he retweeted us twice and he seemed to like us, so we liked that in him. Uh, but this trade is fascinating. For so, I, I just I don't even know where to start. It's really hard. There's so many things. <laughs> There's so many things. I guess we can start with this. Ryan McDonough has officially, as you were just saying, the Marquise Chris era has come to an end. The Brandon Knight era has come to an end. And with it, two moves that Ryan McDonough sacrificed a lot for. I mean, we traded quite a lot to get Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight in the first place. And now it all culminates in in this move, uh, not allowing Marquise Chris to have his third year, not allowing Brandon Knight to have his potential redemption season as a starting point guard, but just punting on them before the season even begins for uh, what I think some people might see as objectively a, a low value package. 
Uh, so I, again, it's really interesting. Well, in a, it, we have to talk about the money, right? Because Ryan Anderson has a massive contract. He's making a ton of money. He has over forty-one, over forty-one and a half million dollars left on his contract. Twenty million four hundred twenty-one thousand dollars in the eighteen nineteen season. Twenty-one million two hundred sixty-four thousand in the 2019-2020 season. This is a lot of money, but Brandon Knight was also making a lot of money. Marquise Chris, not a ton of money. So in a sense, it's just kind of swapping dead money. You know how I feel about Brandon Knight. We talked about it in our Over Under podcast. I predicted he would start less than 41 games. Now we know he's not playing at all. Uh, So I, I never really believed in him being a key part of this team in the future, and I never thought it made sense to really invest the playtime in him at all anyway. So I guess it's not so bad to get rid of him, but I think the the conversation gets a little more interesting when we talk about, is this giving up on Marquise Chris a little too early? Yeah, well, and, and I think certainly that's something that Suns fans are going to be focusing on in their discussion the next couple of days because... I think uh, I'm really high on a guy like DeAnthony Melton, for instance, when we talk about him coming in, but I think he's a relative unknown to most of the Suns fan base. So the conversation is going to be steered towards Marquise Chris and uh, also to an extent Brandon Knight. Is this giving up on Marquise Chris too early? It's really hard to say, Mike. I mean, we've been hyping up these videos, these Instagram posts of Marquise Chris being in shape throughout the summer, but we didn't even get to see him in summer league. And, and really, I would say that we have no evidence that he actually has had uh, a better offseason this year than he did last year. We we just wouldn't be able to definitively say that until we at least get to watch him in preseason. So I I don't know. I I'm not sure what you think about that with with Chris, but well, a couple things. A couple things. Did we, in a in a sense, participate in a Ryan McDonough propaganda machine to boost the Marquis Chris trade value to help him make this trade by uh, promoting those those videos of Chris and also the fact that Chris did not play in summer league becomes a little more interesting now right how long has this trade been in the works is was there a specific plan to keep Marquise Chris in the best shape possible and not give him any chances to get injured because they've been trying to work on trading him for that long do you think that's even possible no I think that's unlikely I think frankly it's you know, maybe Dragon Bender was part of this conversation as well. We don't know how this conversation with Daryl Morey worked. If Ryan McDonough was more willing to give up Dragon Bender in the first place, but Morey said, no, I want Marquise Chris, that's entirely within the realm of possibility, right? So I don't think it's that Chris has been on this fast track program to being traded for months now. I think it sort of just spontaneously happened. That would at least be my guess without having any, of course, inside knowledge into what the front office was thinking. It's it's really it's really just kind of shocking. Yeah, well, so <laughs> it should be said. Go no, ahead. you go. You go ahead. I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> it should be said that both Sam and I are not fully sober right now. Um, separately, in separate states, both of us may have had a few drinks, not in anticipation of this trade, just because of the things that we happen to be doing tonight before this trade went down. A complete surprise to us, and now we have to have an emergency podcast as a result. I and guess. I love it. I'm so excited. So, so can, we, I don't can mind. we really get into it? Can we talk about like our feelings? Because I have a lot There's of There's two perspectives. Let's just talk it out. Let's first focus on how, what does this team look like now? Okay. I know you have some feelings on D'Anthony Melton. Let's start I'm there. so glad that you mentioned that. So basically, I think there's multiple avenues in which you can analyze this trade. The most basic of which is you look at the incoming value, you look at the outcoming value. And by that measure, 
I think it's very easy to paint it in, in this sort of frame of mind, right? Brandon Knight, you think of as this uh, former all-star caliber point guard, a potentially redeemable asset. Marquise Chris, a former top 10 prospect. And then you look at the incoming value for the Suns and you see DeAnthony Melton, 46th overall pick. Again, I don't think he's very much in the minds of Suns fans uh, currently, as well as Ryan Anderson, who, who feels like a lot of dead weight and sort of on the back end of his career. If you look at it in just that very basic perspective, then yeah, I think it's easy to say that the Suns lost this trade. But what I think is so interesting about analyzing this trade is I think this might be one of the very special cases where you can talk less about the raw talent that is incoming and outgoing and more about the fit. There is a big gamble here by Ryan McDonough um, in terms of, you know, if Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight are actually able to figure things out finally in a much better culture situation in Houston, then this will clearly be a loss for the Suns. However, I would contend to Suns fans who are very upset with this trade that the Suns made a great move here in terms of bringing in two players who fit the type of scheme that the Suns are trying to build much, much better. To any Suns fans who have been clamoring for the team to acquire someone like Marcus Smart or Patrick Beverly, congratulations because you just found a much cheaper version of that same type of player in DeAnthony Melton. Melton went 46th overall, but we were talking about this a couple months ago, Mike, in uh, our conversation before the draft that there were many, many mock drafts, big boards, people willing to say that DeAnthony Melton had a good chance to go in the 20 to 30 range in the late first round. He is a defensive force. He's about 6'3", 6'4", with a, uh, a plus wingspan that I think is close to 6'9", and is a very capable and switchable defender at that point guard position, who, between him and Shaq, I think the real advantage of acquiring a guy like Melton is that now the Suns have a couple of very capable defenders, and you can almost hide Booker in the backcourt on defense and not so much have to worry about his defensive limitations uh, because you have these two great point guard defenders between D'Anthony Melton and Shaq Harrison. And that might not translate immediately for Melton, but I do certainly think that of any of his skills coming into the league, defense is going to be the thing that translates first for him. So first and foremost, D'Anthony Melton has the makings of an absolutely elite perimeter defender. Then you transition the conversation to Ryan Anderson really quick. Well, I have some Ryan news Anderson. on that. I have some news on yeah. that. Uh, Adrian Rojanowski just tweeted again and said, Ryan Anderson will be the Suns' starting power forward, and the front office will continue to pursue trade scenarios to bring on a starting caliber point guard before the start of the season. So two parts to that, obviously. The first part, Ryan Anderson's starting. So let's kind of break down the for sure starting lineup so far. I think we have four of the five starters for sure. Devin Booker, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, and of course, DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick. So that their hole is that point guard, and we can have that point guard discussion in a second. But if this tweet is to be believed, and there's no reason not to, now that we saw that Woj broke the biggest news of the year so far for the Suns, Ryan McDonough is on the trade market right now looking for a starting caliber point guard. Now we can have a discussion about what potential starting caliber point guards are out there, out there but it does sound like it's not going to be any that are on the team, which is not really that surprising. I'm glad it's not going to be Brandon Knight. You can listen to the previous yep. podcast if you want to kind of hear how Sam and I feel about that, but we never really believed that he was... Well, I don't even think he's a point guard, first of all. So it makes sense that yes. he's going to be in Houston. That's a good place for him. He can kind of play the Eric Gordon role. But a starting caliber point guard, he definitely was not. So whether or not he was a point guard, you can argue, but whether or not he was a starting point guard, I don't think there's an argument there. He wasn't. He just wasn't. 
So now he, we have a hole at point guard. But Ryan Anderson starting, how do you think he fits in that starting lineup so far? He fits fine in that starting lineup. Not in the sense that, look, Ryan Anderson is not a long-term solution for the Suns at starting point guard. Not if they want to be a successful playoff team. Power forward, right? But, yeah, sorry, at power forward, <laughs> excuse me. But essentially, here's to sort of wrap up the conversation of what I was saying uh, a minute ago. DeAnthony Melton has the makings of an absolutely elite defensive point guard. Ryan Anderson, we know from his long career in the NBA, is an elite three-point shooter. Contrast those with Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight and what they bring to the table. Brandon Knight, as you were just saying, wasn't a point guard. Before he even tore his ACL, he was one of the worst point guards in the NBA the last time he suited up for the Phoenix Suns in terms of how he would stop ball movement and uh, how his whenever the ball was in his hands, the offense would become predictable. It was the same high screen pick and roll with him and Tyson Chandler and Alex Len that would lead to him taking inefficient 22 footers right inside the three point line. Marquise Chris, as much as I like Marquise Chris and would like to believe that he's going to put things together in his two years in a Suns uniform, was never able to develop an elite skill, not when it came to posting up, not when it came to his mid-range game, certainly not when it came to his three-point shot, although they tried as very hard as they could to uh, sort of spot him up on the perimeter as much as possible. So basically what the Suns have done here is they've taken two guys who haven't proven to be elite in anything, and they added two guys who, while both of them have major limitations, they have the makings to be super specialists of a sort, right? Elite at a certain skill. And what I think that culminates in is Ryan McDonough trying to bank on the fact that Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton can sort of be the main forces of this team, the superstars, and then sort of banking on being able to surround them with the right role players, a guy who's really good at three-point shooting, a guy who's really good at defense, surround them with as many 3-and-D players as possible. It's yeah. basically what Daryl Morey was doing a couple of years ago when James Harden was running the show in Houston. I think Ryan McDonough is doing the same exact thing now in Phoenix. Yeah, and it speaks to your point that this move is not about raw talent. It's about fit. It's clearly a move to try and fit pieces around the players that we currently have. Uh, we've talked about Devin Booker. If you commit to Devin Booker being your number one 1A star, the star of your team, that means you have to surround him with players that can play defense because that's his deficiency. So DeAnthony Melton is that. And now that you have a player like DeAndre Ayton underneath, it makes sense to give him as much space as possible. And Ryan Anderson can do that. Ryan Anderson is clearly not a long-term piece of this team. It's possible he, he might not even be on this team by the end of his contract, depending on how valuable uh, expiring contracts will be in the 2019-2020 trade market. Um, but I, it's clear that DeAnthony Melton is, because if you kind of look at it, there's there's a way to sort of work this out, and I'm kind of working my thoughts out on this trade, and, and you can tell me how you feel from this perspective, but it seems like you're kind of saying, is Ryan Anderson a better power forward than Brandon Knight would have been point guard? Yeah. Right? That's the first part of the trade. And then you kind of look at it to say, does DeAnthony Melton or Marquise Chris have more value long term compared to each other and that's where the conversation is really really interesting because i think to me i think it's clear that ryan anderson is a better power forward than brandon knight is a point guard do you agree i yeah i absolutely agree with that so then we talk about is a number eight pick potentially less valuable than a player that was picked in the middle of the second round that's that's the the interesting part of the conversation because some people would probably say DeAnthony Melton has more value, 
but the conventional wisdom would be that Marquise Chris would, and that's where this trade. It's hard for me to fully buy in on it because I know DeAnthony Melton has a lot of potential, and and it makes a lot of sense on this team, but it's gonna hurt if Marquise Chris ends up being really good on the Rockets, and that's a good situation for him as far as playing with two really great point guards who can get him the ball flying towards the rim, especially if he's in good shape now. Uh, it's going to hurt to watch him succeed there if that does happen. So I think I'm going to ask you to forget the conventional wisdom and and remember again that this isn't black and white. It's super interesting. Again, this is why I'm fascinated by this trade uh, because on a 25-30 to 30 win team, who's more valuable? Probably Marquise Chris, because I think of the two prospects, Marquise Chris is much more capable of creating for himself on offense and probably being an inefficient 15 to 20 point per game scorer, potentially a couple years down the line on some sort of losing lottery team. But he hasn't, again, he hasn't put his skills together in any sort of way that shows that he can be elite at any one skill. That's where Melton comes in. And I think that's the strongest evidence to show that maybe Melton becomes more valuable when you're talking about which player can you slide onto an actual playoff contender or even a championship contender and be more valuable. De'Anthony Melton has very big limitations. Uh, he's not a good three-point shooter, frankly. He shot 28% his lone season at USC. This was a couple of years ago. He shot 31% from three-point range in five summer league games with Houston this year. And... Uh, as a pure point guard, I mean, he has a decent assist to turnover ratio, but he's not an amazing playmaker or anything like that. But simply his physical tools and his athleticism, his defensive instincts and awareness, he sort of put it together on that end of the floor in a way that I'm not sure Marquise Chris ever really will develop an elite skill set uh, at any one particular thing on an NBA basketball court. So that's something to consider when you're trying to build an elite team. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. The other thing to talk about is Marquise Chris has had some attitude problems in the past. And is this a move for Ryan McDonough trying to really say, we got to fix the culture? I mean, we have Trevor Ariza on the team now. You're bringing in a guy like DeAndre Ayton. You got to have some good examples for him. And Ryan Anderson, from from all accounts, is a great guy, a great teammate, and a good guy to play with. Seems like a guy that never really complained, even though he lost minutes in Houston. Uh, he's been in the he's thirty. He's been in the NBA a while. He's a, clearly a veteran, one of the oldest guys on our team now. Um, and then DeAnthony Melton. I don't know much about his attitude, but I've never heard anything bad. And in, in, in the draft, usually no news is good news, especially for guys falling in the second round because a lot of them are there because of atti- potential attitude problems. And that hasn't been the case with. D'Anthony Melton. So do you think that this is the type of move where where McDonough is saying this is a little bit of a reset? We're, we're trying to get the culture back on track. Look, it's possible, which is why I, I don't want to tell you that absolutely no, it's not. But again, I also am not sure. Like, I think some Suns fans may use this as fuel to say, see, the front office has valued Bender higher all along because he's the one that is still standing. But I think a big part of me still believes that you know, maybe Bender was on the table too, and Houston opted to go with Marquise Chris instead. So, and Bender certainly is a guy who hasn't had attitude problems in his time with Phoenix. So, I'm just not prepared to quite make that leap right. yet, and, right. and and say that. Now, here's the interesting thing, Mike, that we need to touch on now. You need to talk about minutes distribution, and given what Adrian Wojnarowski just said, if Ryan Anderson is going to be the Suns' starting power forward. Take everything that we've been talking about with Trevor Reza as a starting power forward and throw it out the window. Trevor Reza right. slides over to small forward. There is, quite simply, no longer room 
for TJ Warren, That's Josh exactly Jackson, right. and Mikhail Bridges to all fill those spot minutes off the bench behind a, a pairing of Devin Booker and Trevor Reza on the wings. So now the conversation shifts to this. The Suns are reportedly looking for a starting caliber point guard before the start of the season. Shaq Harrison, Elliot Kobo, DeAnthony Melton, certainly a good plethora of options there, I think, to provide some backup minutes. But if they're looking for a starting option, who's going to be the one on the trading block? Has to be TJ Warren, right? Uh, yes, I, I would think so. Unless, point book, <laughs> we can talk about it. Point booker. If Booker plays point guard, it kind of changes things around a little. If he starts at the point guard, and I know there's no reason for us to think that this is possible, but it's difficult for me to get off of this until we have a point guard who's definitively better than Devin Booker at playing point guard. He's the best point guard on the team. That's just how it kind of boils down. And maybe you'd start someone like Mikhail Bridges at the two or maybe even Josh Jackson and and sort of play uh, with a little bit of a bigger lineup. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that we, as him seeing minutes at the point guard is probably going to happen a lot more this season and maybe even see some starts by the end of the season. I, I definitely think that's still possible. I, I do want to talk about this real quick, though. Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight on the Rockets. How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, the Rockets have a stronger culture, again, than we do. They've got better veterans littered throughout that team. I mean, certainly they lost some veteran presence this year, between Ariza and Bob Mute. Um, but I, I think if there's anyone who can sort of uh, rein those two players in, it might be the Rockets. I think it's a little funny that Nate Duncan, of all people, is now oh tweeting out that if there's any situation where he likes Marquise Chris, that it would be the Houston Rockets. I just think that's funny given ah. how much Nate Duncan has really shat on the Suns and every move that they've made for the past few years. But now suddenly one of the prospects that he's been showing his anger against it's seriously like a parody it's like a parody it's like him parodying himself of course as soon as the suns trade away probably the player he hated the most on the team he turns around and says oh chris is probably going to be good in houston (laughs) shut up no way no you are not allowed to do that it's up to us to point out the hypocrisy. Suns fans, please point it out. I know he'll just block you. He's blocked me before. Uh, he'll probably just block you. But you have to at least hold him, hold his feet to the fire a little bit on that. That's ridiculous. He has hated Marquise Chris since he was drafted, since before the draft. Uh, you shouldn't be allowed to do that without us pointing it out. So, really, going back to your point or your your question, their personalities, I think, will be fine in the Houston locker room. Their basketball play styles, that's pretty suspect right now, Mike. I mean, look at what Houston has done this offseason. It doesn't really make much sense. They lost three-plus three-point shooters in Trevor Ariza, Luke Bamute, and now Ryan Anderson. They have replaced them with three below-average shooters in Carmelo Anthony, who has not shown any sort of predilection for being able to uh, or being willing to play off the ball and being able to do it effectively. And then Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight, who, as I was just talking about, even before he tore his ACL, was incredibly frustrating to watch as a Suns fan. So that sort of Maury Ball aspect of limiting the amount of mid-range shots that you take and maximizing the amount of open threes doesn't really make so much sense anymore for Houston. I mean, certainly I think they're still going to try it, but it's just hard to see that scheme being as effective with their current player personnel. Yeah, I think Houston got worse, and I think the Suns got better. I mean, if you just look at it from that perspective, 
I think that's that's the case. I, I don't I just don't believe in Brandon Knight. I think Marquise Chris could potentially be successful, but a really small role on the Rockets could benefit him, but also he might be the kind of guy that needs to play a lot of minutes to really get used to it and, and, and get a little better. You know, maybe a team like the Suns could have been better for him long term. We'll find we'll find out. I mean, we'll know relatively quickly how this is gonna look. Um it's a very interesting trade from both perspectives. So the question is, right, let's go back to the wings. We have a ton of them now. We just added another power forward. We were talking about the forward minutes on the team. We've been talking about that since the offseason began. So many wings, and we added another one. So is TJ Warren on the trade block? Well, Actually, you know what? Let's start it from this perspective. What would it take for McDonough to part with Josh Jackson? What kind of player would have to be on the trade market for him to even consider putting Josh Jackson on the block? Well, I would hope Damian Lillard. Yeah, I would hope it would at least be an all-star caliber player. But then it's an interesting discussion, right? Because uh, Josh Jackson by himself, you need to match salaries. And Josh Jackson doesn't have that sort of salary. So package of, I don't even know at this point, Josh Jackson and Tyson Chandler uh, of some sort to to try to get the salaries to match so that you can go out and acquire some sort of all-star caliber player who's making more than $15 million a year. Um a Damian Lillard player, yeah, I would definitely part with Josh Jackson for Damian Lillard. I'll say that right now because I think you can slide Mikhail Bridges into those minutes that Josh Jackson is playing and get a lot of the same thing. Um, what about Ricky Rubio? Well, Ricky Rubio, no. Uh, look, if we're, if we're he's just on an gonna, expiring? Th- yeah, exactly. That's what it is. I think you look at what Ryan McDonough has said in the past about potential rumors about trading for Kyrie Irving and when he squashed rumors about trading for Kawhi Leonard, he has always said the same thing. As unpredictable as Ryan McDonough is, he says we are looking for an all-star player or all-star caliber player with multiple years of contractual control left because of what they want to do is avoid this disaster situation of taking everything that they've worked for over the past few years of tanking, which is acquiring these high lottery picks and then squandering those on players with one year left on their contract who can then just, you know, maybe win 30 or 35 games with Phoenix for one season and then say, fuck this, I'm out. So a guy like Ricky Rubio. What about what about what about CJ? What about CJ McCollum? CJ McCollum is certainly a possibility, but then again, we talk about the idea of you bring in CJ McCollum, and suddenly Devin Booker has to play point guard. You have to commit to that idea of that being uh, your primary ball handler. I mean, CJ does play some backup point guard for the Trailblazers. I don't know that he is a point guard. You're, you're right about that. Maybe Devin Booker is closer to being a point guard than CJ McCollum, but it's just another another player that could potentially be on the trade block. It, the other players that we get to, Kemba Walker. Is Kemba Walker enough and a, and a good enough fit on this team to trade Josh Jackson for him? Now, he's another expiring contract. I don't, I, I'm assuming you're going to say no, and I, I tend to agree with that, um, but I'm just trying to figure out where the line is here because this trajectory of this team is it's different than it was before. Uh, with Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker in the starting lineup, this team makes a lot of sense, and it feels, it's first of all, it's a lot older, and it feels lo- more like a team that's going to really try to push to make it into the playoffs. So this is what I worried about, I'll be honest. This is what I worried about with Ryan McDonough. It's not this trade. It's the one that could come next. That's what I'm afraid of. Do we push all the chips into the table to try and make the playoffs this year? Is that worth it? Or it does does he feel like we're in a place where it makes sense to try to compete this year and then see 
where we're at next year. Ryan Anderson will still be on the team. Trevor Reza will no longer be on the team, though. Uh, I just don't know. I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little concerned. If it's T.J. Warren, it wouldn't scare me as much. I think T.J. Warren makes the least sense of all the wings on this team. Um, but if we get beyond that and we're looking at Josh Jackson, that's where I get a little scared. Yeah, and and that makes sense. I don't want to give up on Josh Jackson. As Marquise Chris is more than enough for me. I don't want to give up on Josh Jackson or Mikhail Bridges if we can avoid it whatsoever. I think T.J. Warren is the most likely trade candidate given his mid-level contract as well uh, as his production and his future fit for the team. All these things that we've talked about in the past. Something I think we do have to consider, we've been setting our, our sights pretty high, talking about Ricky Rubio, uh, Kemba Walker, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. Let's define starting caliber for a second because it could be, maybe that Ryan McDonough is thinking pretty basic. I mean, look at a team like the Los Angeles Clippers that we were just talking about in the episode that we released mm-hmm. literally today. Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> they it's, which is funny, right? Because now we're going to have another one coming out immediately. But <laughs> right. hey, we always, we always have shit timing, right? So that's that'll be a constant <laughs> as long as we exist as a podcast. Um, they still have this glut of guards. Patrick Beverly, Milos Teodosic. If they want to free up, any playing time for Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, who they just drafted in the late lottery, you know, maybe one of those guys is going to go for a much cheaper price than having to even consider giving up TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, or uh, Mikhail Bridges. So maybe we can still go out and get one of those guys. And does that pass as starting caliber? Maybe the Suns aren't really trying to make a playoff push necessarily. They're still trying to do the same thing we were talking about earlier, just winning 30 to 35 games, but are trying to really improve the fit of the types of role players that you surround Devin Booker and, and theoretically right. DeAndre Ayton with, uh, and right. maybe just stay the course. You know, it doesn't have to be this blockbuster move going all out this season and trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I will say there's two takes that drive me crazy. If you're a bad team or if you're a middling team and you're trying to develop rookies, national media tend to go, oh, they should just blow it up, get rid of all of their veterans and play rookies all kinds of minutes. But the same, the same media members will turn around and say, wow, the Spurs, the Celtics, they're so good at developing rookies. Well, yeah, they're surrounded by veterans. They only have to play a small role, and they're able to sort of develop slowly. Uh, so now we're sort of surrounding our young guys with veterans to see if we could pot- potentially develop them more in a system. And I think that's better for someone like DeAndre Ayton long-term. Say we do end up with Patrick Beverly on the starting lineup, and DeAndre Ayton starting in the starting lineup of Patrick Beverly, Devin Booker, Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson, and then, of course, him. That's a pretty good role for him to fit. He's going to set high screens. He's going to roll to the basket. He's probably going to catch the ball at the elbow and throw passes to shooters and cutters. That's not the worst situation to, to develop in. Um, and as far as Devin Booker goes, you're right. I think if we get a point guard, I don't think it can be Milos. I don't think it's going to be. I think that Ryan McDonough has proven that he wants a guy who can play defense at that point guard position. I think a guy like Patrick Beverly's uh, a little more likely. Um, but who knows? There's not a lot of guys on the trade market right now. Yeah, this trade came out of nowhere, let's be honest. It came out of nowhere, took us all by surprise. Yeah. Uh, thank you, mm-hmm. Ryan. Thank you for bringing the yes. offseason back. This is the highlight and Woj. of the week. And Woj. Thank you, Absolutely. Woj. Absolutely. They saved August. I love the right? They got it in right at the end of August. You saved so August. Basically the last day of August. I love basketball. What can I say? 
Do you got anything else you want to add? I mean, we're right at about the 30-minute mark. I think it's probably smart for us to I think that's to good. this one a yep. little shorter. Just a yep. quick reaction for you guys to get our thoughts. We'll go more in-depth on this, of course, when we bring you an episode uh, next week or maybe sooner if something, uh, if something else yep. happens, you- right? If, T- if TJ Warren is traded for Steph Curry uh, in the next couple of days, and, of course, you'll get another reaction from us. Quick conspiracy theory. We did a bit on Ryan McDonough in our last episode where we slowed down his voice and we made him sound drunk. I think that he knew we were drunk when he released this news. (laughs) He's getting us back, Sam. Yeah, he's getting us back. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well, hopefully we were somewhat eloquent Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, It's it's an emergency podcast. We, We didn't need to be prepared. Yeah. Those are just our thoughts. Thanks for saving August. Thanks for saving August. I love basketball. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.